Welcome, everybody, to the madness that is the Clean Leather Baseball Podcast. I'm Mike. He's Kevin, Kevin Schneider, head of Emory Gloves. And uh, welcome, Kevin. What's up, Olsh? Let's go, baby. Yes, sir. Let's start circling the bases right away. Without further ado, four quick topics, first, second, third, and home. We'll, uh, we'll hit them and, and, and give our opinions and, and let everybody know the truth. So, Yankees, another rough weekend. Lost two or three of the Mets in a, in a tailspin. Have an easy next 10 games. Minnesota, Baltimore, Cleveland, Texas. Can they regroup in time to make the playoffs? And we'll expand it. Will any of the locals, the Mets having one, two out of three, and the Phillies, the train wreck that they are, will any of the locals make the playoffs in 2021, Kevin? I'm going to say no. No I'm bias gonna, there at all, right? I'm just going to say, say, say no. Blue Jays uh doing their thing it's actually amazing though like we talk i talk about all the time about about momentum and and karma and and all this stuff it's just like the yankees went from one on that stretch where they couldn't lose that crazy win streak you know a few weeks ago teams like the jays and they were just dragging looked like they were tired and 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 all this stuff and now you flip the switch and feel like guys forgot how to play and pitch and it's just I don't know I feel like it might be might, might be too late how do you write the ship the Yanks seem to have a different lineup every day everyday players are out uh not performing I think it's gonna be hard for them I I, I I'm gonna say no man honestly no what, if they don't do go have? if they don't win eight or eight you know seven eight games in the stretch if they don't get to the if they're not in the playoff lead by the 23rd their last week week and a half gets tough I don't I don't know that's going to happen. I think Toronto's, you know, just playing so well right now. And, and Boston's got enough to weather the storm, too. Mets, Phillies, nothing, right? Kind of. Yeah, I'm saying, I, man, I'm saying no. I'm saying no as well. Um, unless Lindor hits three homers a night and chirps at everybody he sees the rest of the way. I have so many opinions about that <laughs> shit last night. It's insane. I, I was watching it live, of course. If you had three minutes in for Kevin's first curse of the podcast, you were right. <laughs> I didn't even realize. My <laughs> bad. I mean, Lindor's having a down year. Okay, you know, I've always been a huge Lindor fan, but he's been, uh, you know, he's been in Cleveland where I haven't seen him as much. Um, uh, talks a lot. The homers. Look, I, I, I get it. Were the Yankees whistling, calling out pitches? I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know. But emotions rolling high. I would have pumped the brakes a little bit with the the talking that much shit round in second base if I were him. Um, Stanton comes back, hits a two-run homer, literally comes to a complete stop, saying it back to him. My biggest thing was this, right? You know, so like, you know, that was that was that was a Generals Capitals game yesterday. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where but, was but, where was where was Murph getting ejected or something like that? Uh, Mur Murph would have been. <laughs> God, Murph is the one who would have stopped and said something like. That's true. Yeah. My, my thing is this. This is what I'm gonna say about that. If you're anyone on the Mets, what are you saying to to my, to, to Stan? Well, what are you saying to Giancarlo Stan? The guy is is a superhero. He's not human. He's he's 
six, he can snap you in half. I mean, he's six six, whatever he is, two seventy of pure muscle. What is anyone in the world saying to that man or an Aaron Judge? So, like, in my opinion, Stanton can do what do and say whatever he wants, and it ends there because he he he's an actual superhero, not not human. And yeah. then I'm actually even go one step further. One other thing, Brett Gardner. I'm taking Brett Gardner in a fight every day of the week and twice on Sundays. I love that he came out and hit Baez and Lindor with this, <laughs> with this, and and then they gave it back to him after Lindor hit his third, which was which was crazy. But like, dude, I'm taking 38 year old Brett Gardner in a fight every day of the week. Um, he definitely wrestled in high school and is part psycho. So I think the Mets would have certainly lost. They might have won the game, but they're lucky things didn't escalate more because they definitely would have lost that one. Enough, enough mediocrity. The Mets are 500. We don't have time for them on this show, except for except for later when we talk to, to Tom Hackamer for a special guest. That's we'll make an exception. Yeah. Moving on uh, to greatness, Max Scherzer, perfect into the eighth inning yesterday. Struck out his uh, recorded his 3,000th career strikeout. Pretty much a lock at this point to win his fourth Cy Young, elevating him over a group of Hall of Famers and one of I think five pitchers he would be with four size. He's the best pitcher of our generation, and I guess that that would probably include, uh, you know, Kershaw. That would probably include Degrom. Um, you know, maybe Garrett Cole, but I don't think he's done it long enough. Is is Scherzer the man? I think without a doubt, yes. I think without a doubt, yes. And he's got the longevity that other guys don't have too now. That's that's why. That's why. Most dominant dudes, Degrom. I mean, it, it, what Degrom. For the for the ten games a year he pitches, yeah, yeah. I mean, but but but, Scrum staying healthy and over extended period of time, whatever. It's so like when you think about how long Scherzer's done it, it's it, it's not even close. Kershaw uh, is up there too. Um, the crazy thing about Scherzer too, like zero diminishing of stuff. Yeah, like still ninety eight like when he wants. He's still getting better in his mid thirties. It's un- un- unbelievable. I think without a doubt, without a doubt, yes. Um, Plus, I'm just obsessed with him as a human being. Mad Max, two color, <laughs> two color eyes. You know, psychopath. Yes, uh, love it. I, I think the two color that. eyes just adds to the mystique. You know, yeah. you just know he's not all there when he's on the mound. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's real, man. That, that him when he flips the switch, it's it's, it's the best. I, I I I could. He's like must see TV when he pitches for every me. time he pitches. Absolutely, and now that he's doing it on a on a team that's trying again is uh makes yeah. it that much better you know you'll see him in october third base uh third topic um al mvp nl mvp you know everybody wanted to say the al mvp was a lock a month ago um is it still is otani the clear-cut mvp because he pitches and not vlad who is now equal in home run and might win the freaking triple crown this year and nl harper or tatis and can you be an MVP on a horseshit team? And there, I, I got my first person. There you go. <laughs> All right. Start with AL. It's so unfortunate that it's it's it's. It's Vladdy's amazing. One of those two won't be the MVP. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like it, like that. Vladdy's having the year that he's having at 22 years old, on leading a young team into a playoff chase and, and hopefully we'll get into the playoffs and could 
could and probably won't win the MVP is 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 absolutely freaking insane. It's the closest um, thing since Ted Williams uh, hitting 400 and DiMaggio with the hitting streak, right? I mean, that's, you know. It, it's just – so – but when you put into perspective what Otani's doing, we're, we're, we're watching and seeing on a daily basis the single best performance in baseball history. The fact that he he can do what he does on the mound, and the fact that he has 44 homers, like uh, you see some of the comps about Babe Ruth being it, and this and that, and like Babe Ruth, like threw like nine innings the one year where he hit whatever yeah. homers, and they had someone to do through like you know seven, and like you could make a case for Otani literally being the Cy Young and literally being the MVP. So like it, it's just insane. They should almost give out two freaking MVPs. They should give out. They should make the NL MVP this year. Just give both to the AL. No, seriously, that that's what they should do. That that that's the NL MVP. That there is no NL MVP. Vladdy gets one, and Otani gets one, and that's it. How good has Bryce Harper been though? Because that team is so bad otherwise. I mean, and again, it's can you be an MVP from a team that's going to probably have a losing record? But I mean, my guys, they'd be irrelevant if it weren't for Brett for Bryce Harper. You know, you know what it was? You know what it was with Harper is I actually talked shit about him being the MVP on my Instagram um, <laughs> after right, right at the All-Star break. Not that I don't love – I like love Harper. I, I, I love Harper. So right now him. you're saying that you gave – you did the glove for Vladdy and you talked smack on Harper, and that's why they should both be MVPs. And, and, and not only that, but I think I'm a big part of their, their success. That's what I mean. That's it. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, and and it wasn't talking about it, it was just like, man, it was like like Bryce Harper, the MVPs batting 300 has got 43 RBIs. Um you know, they get and it was just, out of the leadoff spot. The leadoff hitters are hitting 228, I saw the other day. As yeah, a team. How I was that possible? I know. So so like like and again, I I absolutely love Harper. I love Harper this whole thing, and people like to hate on him. Yeah, I think he's so, so good, and I love everything about him. I was just like, really? Is that, is that going to be the MVP with like with those numbers on that team? So right now, and especially because of the way they're going and 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 how I think he's going to finish the year, I'm, I'm going to say Harper. Tati is unbelievable. I'm going to say Harper. Um, but they really should give out two MVPs to dudes in the same league. Agreed. Um and we'll finish it with this topic here. And it's kind of a, a personal one for you. First year in a long time, not coaching fall ball starting all across the, uh, the world and country and New Jersey and everywhere, pretty much right around now. What's one thing you missed the most about not being re- you know, on the field. And, and what's the one thing you missed the least about not being on the field every day that you can spell. Well, we, we've said enough on the air already. So what's the thing you miss the most and least. Man. So, most is easy and it's cliche and it's obvious, but it's just going to the damn field with the players and the staff. It's going out on the field, dragging it, watering the infield, putting the music on and, and seeing the guys start, start, start to come onto the field from whenever they get out of class. It's, it's what it's what Nick Sirianni said after the Eagles game and go birds want to know, by the way, um, you know, it's it's those things are special. But when you make that connection with your guys, it makes it all the more special. 
Yeah. And like, there really was nothing better. Like my daily thing, I would be like dragging the field, watering the field, doing something at the field. And the guys start trickling in from class early. So we three 30 practice guys start showing two, whatever guys are getting early work in and you just say, Hey, you know, how are your classes going? What's going on at the apartment? Are you guys moved in and settled? You know, all that stuff. So you that, that the beginning of the year stuff, have you met all the new guys? My favorite thing, actually my favorite thing ever used to be our first team meeting in the fall, right? Cause we would have, we would have this big team meeting. It would be like two or three hours long. And it would just talk about like expectations, standards, our goals, things like that. And it was just about kind of getting the new guys comfortable, the freshmen comfortable, the transfers comfortable. I would make everybody stand up and introduce themselves, positions where they're from, um, corny stuff like that. And it would be funny watching guys, how nervous they were when they would stand up and, and, and say their name. Um, so yeah, I miss, miss that it, unbelievably, unbelievably. Um, that's definitely the most, what do I miss the least? <sighs> I mean, I missed at least just like the, the other side of what comes comes along with with coaching at a university, um, which is just like people getting in your way and bothering you with bullshit, right? Like like just stuff that stuff that like in my opinion like doesn't matter, or a coach shouldn't be worried about. A coach should be worried about coaching his players, making sure they're doing the right things on off the field. So all the bullshit of like doing all kinds of other stuff that a coach shouldn't be doing. Man, coach is hard, man. Coaching's hard. Charge of fit. I was in charge of 50 dudes. Like, don't talk to me about nonsense or this or that. I certainly don't miss that. So you don't miss talking to clowns. Like, uh, you know, I have no idea what they're, what they're even doing uh, in some of the positions that they're in. Like, 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 like I did. So Missed the players unbelievably. Some of the clowns that I dealt with, the best thing ever that I uh, don't have to deal with them. And, and so it doesn't matter that I can tell them that, that they actually aren't clowns. We will find out in the coming weeks what uh, Kevin's referring to. We're going to give, we don't want to give away too much of the, uh, the show. But when we come back after the break, we will be talking to the only Mets person in the organization we like. That is Tom Hackamer, AAA with, uh, with Syracuse, uh, and his glove story. Um, coming up after the break, this is Clean Leather Baseball Podcast. He's Kevin. I'm Mike. We will see you at the other side. Hey, everyone out there. It's Mike Olshin with NJ College Baseball Nation. Who's the best cook out of all the baseball players in New Jersey? Let's find out this winter. Top Chef New Jersey College Baseball Edition coming to the YouTube channel in the winter. If you're interested in competing, M-R-O-L-S-H at MSN.com. Give us a shout. We will uh, find out this winter. Until then, back to the podcast and enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome back to this segment of the Clean Leather Baseball Podcast. We are joined by our very special guest, the uh, the, the true king of Queens, Tom Hackamer. Uh, Tom graduated from uh, Archbishop Malloy, first grew up as a, 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 literally a long toss from Queens. Um, St. John's All-American, mid-2010s uh, in the minors since then, and now back in the Mets system, AAA with uh, with with Syracuse, uh, one step away from returning to Queens with the uh, the New York Mets. So, Kev, let's uh, bring you in here and uh, let's start off with uh, some questions for Tom. Hack, what's up, man? So, my biggest thing that I wanted to talk about was 
being a fellow closer who who threw from down under, uh, believe it or not, from 2003 to 2006 in college, how did that start, that transition? I'm guessing you didn't always throw like that. How did that start? It's obviously something we see a lot in the bigs now. It used to be not so often, but now it seems like almost every team has as a guy or two, you see Rodgers on the Giants, uh, how effective these guys are. So my question was kind of how did that start or, and that transition go for you? Uh, well, that I have uh, have Ed Blankmeyer to thank for mostly. Um, I didn't pitch at all in high school. I threw 0.0 innings. And every I think every inning I played in high school was at short. Um, and I always threw from sort of a naturally low slot. And I couldn't hit. So <laughs> it was, I, I had a good arm and it was, I was going to end up on the mound eventually. Uh, and that was just how it happened. Uh, that I think it was that blank saw me throwing across the diamond at a camp. Uh, he looked at me and he was just like, Oh, the kid throws from a weird slot. Like I'm a shortstop. I'm making throws from different slots. Anyway, it's just like, he might be a good sidearm pitcher. Uh, and I ended up going to St. John's. Uh, with the offer basically of like, hey, you can come try to walk on as an infielder or you can try to walk on as a pitcher um, with some strong hints as to which one of those was smarter. Uh, and also if I was an infielder, I had to beat out Ty Blankmeyer for a spot, Ed's son. So uh, the choice was pretty obvious. And once I got out to the bullpen, our uh, pitching coach at the time was Scott Brown. And I made two throws from my normal slot, which was still like a low three quarter. And he was just like, ah, by the way, you throw sidearm now. I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> so that's it, how it started. It, it must have clicked pretty quickly because you were saving games right as a, as a freshman. Uh, I wouldn't say it clicked quickly. I would just say that I was getting outs and I was one of like two or three people on our team who was. We just weren't very good that year. I was just very, very, really, really good timing for me. No, that's awesome, man. Yeah, as, as that as that develops, you know, everybody has it seems like somebody who throws that way, like Kev says. But you know, when when things struggle, when you when you hit, you know, I mean, you know, it, pitchers go through struggles, obviously. Um, do you? Is it is it harder because you're? I mean, what? How? Not a whole lot of guys can can help you get out of that. It's not like they can suggest a mechanical fix, and all of a sudden you're you're throwing strikes again. I mean, what, how do, how do coaches deal with that? And how do you handle it? You know, knowing that you've got to kind of be your own coach when things go wrong. Uh, I think I sort of understood that from the beginning because it was, you know, it's different. And a lot of coaches don't really know what to say. Like they don't want to mess with it because they think for some reason, uh, like I'm just wildly different from any other pitcher because I throw from a lower slot. Uh, so I would say that from the beginning, because of that, I, I got pretty decent at being my own pitching coach when I needed that. Uh, it's just my, my particular struggles come in when like, I'm coming from an extreme angle. I throw pretty hard from that angle and just guys don't want to hit against it. So guys who are smart will go up there and just not swing. And I get a significantly fewer, like I have a way higher take percentage overall than mm -hmm. your league average pitcher. 
So if I can't find the zone, like guys aren't going to help me out. Like every now and then, like you'll see it with other guys, you know, a traditional arm slot pitcher, like 2-0, you know, they throw a slider to try to find the zone. They throw it in dirt and someone swings over it because they thought it was a fastball and they're trying to fucking murder it. Uh, You don't get those. I don't really get those that often. Uh, I don't get, I don't get the bailouts. Right. So it's when I'm not finding the zone like i need to write the ship quickly or it's going to be a, a rough one that that's an awesome point man because like yeah like you throw hard from down there you know and it's uncomfortable as shit you know so so guys are like you said they're not going to be you know sitting on a first pitch fastball coming out of their shoes or or, or whatever it is or you know even mixing in a a, a bp fastball or, or kind of a get me over slider is going to be it's going to be taken that's that's crazy um yeah one thing like and if you look at some of your social media like i love looking at your instagram and seeing some of, like your 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 edutronic or high speed stuff with 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 that that arm angle it's just when it's that slow and that high def it's insane to see um yeah, it helps that i'm also i'm i'm incredibly mobile yeah so you, have, I, you have to be yeah, hyper mobile yeah, I, I get into a lot of positions that look uncomfortable because for any, any normal person, they and it, are impossible. Especially in slow motion, right? Yeah, that you can really appreciate, like, where my arm is at. And it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, that looks pretty painful. How about my, my other thing I was going to ask is just, like, your off-season training. It seems like um, you're – it seems like you're a plyo guy from, from a lower slot. Uh, yeah. whether it's a drive, drive line or, or, or some version of plyo, but then it also seems like you throw a lot. Right. And, and yes. I know, I know for me, I did the same thing. Um, when Osh was talking about mechanics for me, it was such a feel thing. Like I knew if I was flaring a ball arm side or, or getting a little, you know, yanking too much on my slider, the more I threw, the better I felt, the more I threw the, the better command I had and things like that. So like when you're training the off season and in season is what's your overall take on that? And is your throwing a lot on purpose? Uh, I definitely throw more than the average person probably, or the average player. Uh, I also get off the mound way more often. I would say than most people like in season, I get off the mound more or less every day. Um, unless I know like for sure that I'm not pitching that day and I'll take a day off, but uh, I try to cut my catch play a little bit shorter and I'll throw eight to 10 off the mound. Because uh, pitching is weird because pitching is the only thing that you practice more in an environment that is not the same as the one you perform in. Most of your throwing is done on flat ground, but in, when you pitch in a game, you're off a mound with a 10 inch slope. Like there's differences in timing and it's very uh, important, especially like I. Well, now I've been a pitcher for nine years, I guess that's a lot, but like, especially in college and early in pro ball, like I just didn't have enough reps off the mound that everyone else had. Uh, Cause I was a reliever. I'm not throwing that much. Uh, and I'd only been pitching for a short time. So my thought was like getting off the mound and getting used to it is going to be a benefit for me because like, I'm just behind on these reps and to do anything well like to learn any skill comes down to just how much you've practiced it and how well you've practiced it. Uh, So I think especially like trying to perform, like mimicking the game performance environment as much as possible is the most important thing. 
2021's been a, a crazy year for you. You know, started out yes. in a Minnesota organization, ended up now in a position where your, your next step could be a, a, a homecoming. Uh, yeah. Kind of tell us how how the year, you know, how how we, you, you ended up in the Mets organization. And, uh, you know, now that, that things are kind of getting back to, to normal, you know, you feel like you got everything under control again. Uh, yeah, it was a weird one. I backed, I started by going uh, as a backup to Major League Spring Training for the Twins. Got in a few games there, went well, had a good time. Uh, went to the alternate site for a month. Threw well there, felt good. Uh, went to double A for a couple weeks, felt great, threw the ball really well. Got moved up, uh, suddenly forgot how to throw strikes, which was a real adventure. Uh, and like I said, not getting bailed out. So yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, the bad, twins bad released. Yeah, exactly. You're not going to have a good time. The twins released me, uh, and I hung out for a little bit trying to figure out what I was going to do next. Uh, and partially, thanks again to Ed Blankmeyer, uh, very early on, I got an offer from the Mets. Uh, took that. It was between them and the Nationals. And uh, maybe I made the wrong choice because the Nationals then sold their whole team. But yeah. the... Uh, <laughs> It was good to go somewhere in that process. The uh, people from the Mets reached out to me a lot more. Uh, and I felt that there was more. Less that I'd be going to fill a spot for the rest of the year and more like I was actually want like they still thought I was good. Uh, and so I went down to Port St. Lucie for a few days because I hadn't thrown in a while to get back on that work with uh, Carter Caps down there, make sure everything was all sound mechanically. Uh, and then shipped up to Binghamton, was there for a while, and then came back up to, I moved up to Cuse a month ago, a little six weeks ago, something like that. Uh, I threw a bullpen no-hitter. That was fun. I got to 27 outs before I yeah. allowed a hit. Uh, and yeah, I'd say things have been going a lot better since I got here and we simplified my approach to things. Um. COVID was it was an interesting time for you, right? You got to the chance to look at some of the good stuff here, right? You know, home brewing uh, became a big. Oh yeah. Thing. Let's uh, let's talk about some home brewing and 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 you know how that how did that start? Sounds like you started brewing and stopped coming at the same time. It looks like I lo I love beer. I really really like beer. Uh, and, <laughs> and that's I a think, perfect reason to start home brewing, right? Right. Exactly. It's like uh, so I started. I got real into uh, like craft beer, I think my first full year of Pro Bowl and like trying different things and finding out that like, you know, there's more to beer than, you know, than Miller Lite. Not that there's anything wrong with Miller Lite. I also love Miller Lite. You're, gonna say, but, you're just knocking my favorite kind of beer there. No, actually one of my favorites as well. Excellent. Um, but learning that there is more to it. Uh, and eventually I got to the point where was, I was like, oh, I can try this at home. Uh, and I gave it a shot. Uh, actually started a little bit. I started the off season, like the off season going into 2020. Uh, so I had that and I was just like, cool. I did this for a couple months and, you know, then I'll go off for the season and I'll come back to it next year. Uh, and then the world ground to a stop. So yeah. I got to do it all year. It was great. 
everybody else is baking bread. You're making some other yeast products, right? That's the yeah. Only- I did actually try baking bread at a couple points too, but not. Yeah, not I think that. Fun. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did better with brewer's yeast than baker's yeast. <laughs> yeah, can I just say, uh, hack, hack your your Instagram, your Instagram like like bio is the coolest thing ever. Oh, it's great. <laughs> I do my Tom, best. Thomas Agamir, athlete, baseball thrower, musician, golfer, home brewer. And apparently, uh, what's Leo Vici athlete, yeah. Le- Leo Vici athlete, which looks pretty sick, by the way. I just looked at it real quick. Yeah, very comfortable shirts. Yeah. It's just, it's, uh, it's awesome, man. I love yeah, that. Yeah, I try not to, I try not to take things too seriously. <laughs> the, the, the vlogging started around the same time, and we'll give you a chance to, uh, you know, pitch or promo anything <laughs> you want us to direct, you know, direct our uh, viewers to at this point, too. Yeah, well, I did that with, uh, watch momentum and yep. they uh they did a whole thing a whole series of like minor league uh vlogs and things like that and uh they stopped doing that right around the start of this season or a little bit past that but uh honestly it's because they were all very bad uh mine <laughs> included mine was the best but they were just not very interesting because it's like i really enjoyed doing it but I was struggling to like make each one different from the next, from the last, because I do the same shit every day. <laughs> like, <laughs> my, off-season that, my off-season isn't that interesting because I go in and I lift and I throw and I go home, I go in the next day and I lift and I throw or whatever. And it's just like, it's very much the same things. Uh, so as much as I enjoyed it, uh, I'm not doing like we're they're not doing that anymore uh and i don't know if i'm gonna keep doing it independently i did have fun like editing it uh mm-hmm. and trying to uh vary them a little bit but i really struggled to like find a way to make each one uh unique from the previous ones the and the uh, the guitar playing you self-taught there or did you yeah i taught myself i think i started in high school at some point song that you're most proud of that you've taught yourself to play uh that's a tough one because guitar i'm mostly just uh i'm just strumming along the chords so i can sing along with it just accompanying myself just 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 jam sessions yeah yeah exactly love it so well, let's uh, let's let's get into the uh, the glove stuff here. Oh yeah, Kev, I'll let you take this part away here. This is uh, you know our first kind of glove reveal slash discussion, and and Tom, you uh, you know certainly want to explain to everybody you know first of all what led you to Kev and Emery and 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 the different parts of the glove here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man. So, hang. I mean, it seems like, and I always say, I feel like it's a pitcher's thing, right? I feel like it's a pitcher's thing. Like pitchers kind of love gloves a little bit more. Um, I remember, you know, seeing some of your St. John's, you guys had Rawlings, um, you know, you had some customs there and I know you had another brand that I won't mention, uh, you know, before, before we, we linked up, um, but kind of what, what draw me, drew me to hack was for one, obviously like, I, I love like personality guys, you know what I mean? Like I love like hacks whole, whole thing. I've, I've had the chance to follow him since St. St. John's. I'm good friends with Corey Muscara, who was your pitching coach for a little bit. I remember him first telling me like, 
yo, we got this dude, this closer. He throws like 94 from down under. He's so nasty. And like, I was like, I love it. You know, let's go. Um, but you know how Corey talks. He's always on speed. Um, but uh, so kind of like I said, it was like, a, all right, like this dude, love the way he throws, love his personality, like the, you know, the whole thing, kind of just beyond baseball. I'm a big beyond baseball guy. So when we connected, it was like, hey, man, let's do a custom. What do you want to do? We did a black and red one. And then, that, was my, uh, that was my standard for, I think every year I was with the Twins, I used a black and red gamer. So, yeah. And then obviously transitioned to the Mets. So, so we did, uh, did a, a blue and orange one. And we, I remember you were like, yeah, you know, let's get a little, let's get a little crazy with it. Yeah. Um, but I, I guess just tell me about what you look for in your gloves, a little personality, and then we'll talk about some of the features that you have on your gloves as well. Yeah, so I uh, uh, glove love is definitely a pitcher's thing because it's like it's the only gear we have. Yeah. Uh, it's gloves and cleats. That's pretty much it. And it also like doesn't really matter to me the quality of the glove as long as it looks cool because it's an ornament. Like I make what one play a month, maybe. <laughs> uh, and that's not to say like. The, uh, the glove I have from you is very, very nice, great quality. Uh, and I'm sure the next one will be as well. But when I was with uh, the other unnamed company, it would, it would vary a little bit uh, based on the color. And I was just, it just didn't matter because it's like, oh, these look really cool. And the odds of me ever have, like, when I was a shortstop, I cared about the, like how the glove felt. Yeah. It doesn't matter as much as a pitcher. It's more, do I look cool? Pretty much it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. No, nah, man, I, I, I'm with you on that. And, you know, the quality. And, and we actually changed some things, you know, like I loved getting your feedback. Like I remember us talking, we we're like, yeah, let's, <clears throat> I want to get like a little deeper pocket, you know. Which yeah, yeah. I'm really like, excited to, I'm really excited to get my hands on the, uh, on this one because of the changes you said. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. And then, so, so glove design, you got, so spare, spare parts. What, yeah. the hell is, what the hell is spare parts? So I, I have, I don't even know how many baseball gloves at this point. It, probably around 20 from my professional career. Uh, and one of them, one of them just says hack on it. And all <laughs> of the others say something else entirely because I know it's my glove and I know my name. I've never gotten the point of putting your name on your, I've never been a fan. Uh, so I put a nickname, I put something. Uh, and the one I've gone with for my game glove for a few years now is spare parts. Uh, and that is because of a, I had a friend who worked for the Mariners uh, and he was looking through their pro scouting reports on me. And he found one and sent it to me uh, where the scout was describing my physical build. Uh, and it was off like, I am like, I, I look a little weird and that's fine. I have very long arms. I have like very, I have bowed legs, uh, a very short torso. And I'm kind of, you know, I'm five foot 11, five, 10, I'm lying. 
I'm five ten. Baseball, uh, baseball five like, eleven. Sure. Yeah, in spikes I'm five eleven. That's what counts. Uh, and I'm like two hundred and ten pounds usually, so I'm like somehow sort of stocky and somehow sort of lanky because of how long my arms are. Uh, and so the bottom line is the way this guy described me. He said a small build of spare parts. Uh, and he sent that to me and a bunch of our friends. And I was just like, well, I'm either going to get made fun, made fun of about this or I have to steer into it. And so I went with the steer into it approach. Uh, and that has been that has been the name on my game glove for the last three or four years. Yeah, I absolutely love that. <laughs> A small, what was it? A small frame of a spare small parts? build of spare parts. <laughs> a small build of spare parts. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, man. And then, so I get. And then with this one, Olsh, can you share the screen to bring up his glove, or 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 what? Are we gonna do I'll that? Put it in on. Uh, we'll we'll, we'll put it in on 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 post. Uh, post yeah, do it in post. Here. Yeah. Ah. I, right. I thought but we had the glove, but that's all right. I was definitely. There will be a picture up here while we're while we're discussing. So let's. We can pretend like it is while we're while we're talking about it here. Yeah. Now, testing number, my acting ability. I see. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Now, but one one thing I thought I thought was cool, like I, I I'm all about, like you said, it's kind of like an ornament and, and stuff like that, but kind of making it different, but not like insane, you know, like yeah, some, somehow clean but different. So like when we were, I was talking, I was texting with Hack, and I was like, Yo, what do you think about like a silhouette of like a guitar or like, you know, uh, and I was like, I was like, we're like you pitching, you know, cause obviously he throws from these weird angles and stuff like that. So, um, so he, once we, we talked about the, the pitching one, um, yeah, we, went, we went through, we went through some different pictures and we found a yeah. good, a good silhouette. Yeah. With that on the thumb. Um, and that's, that's probably one of the coolest things I've had on a glove. It's awesome. Yeah, so and just we, I thought you know it'd be so cool with the unique arms arm slot. Like I said, we went through like I think like four or five silhouettes. There are some really cool ones. Like I love the high elbow ones. Um, yeah, but they just don't come out that well because like don't, they there's don't, so they many body parts crossing. Yeah, yeah. they kind of like blend together in a silhouette. So you'll see with with this one, the, it, it's got the sidearm angle. Um, it's orange, you know, on the on the 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 Mets blue color and stuff like that. So thought it was. Uh, unique to fit an awesome pitcher but a unique awesome dude as well that's, that's kind of what we go for at emory glove cut we want awesome players but who are awesome people that are just like you know real and unique and and you know that's that's my style so that's who i want to represent the brand you know and, I, and i'm very glad that uh you thought i fit that mold yeah man well, we uh we appreciate the time, Tom. I know you've got a oh, big. Sorry, hey, there is one more. There is. I do have to. I have to go get ready to play golf for money, uh, and that's makes me nervous because I'm not that good. Uh, <laughs> but there is there is one more piece on the glove that I do think should be pointed out because it's one of my favorite bits about it, uh, which is on the pinky, the five one six. The yes. area code for right. Nassau that's County, right. where I'm yeah. from. That's right. Uh, which and is a little bit. I like putting something fun on the other side of the glove when it's uh, when possible. On my other one, it was this is the way because I watched the Mandalorian this offseason and loved it. Uh, but for this one, I actually copied 
uh, Miguel Castro, who has on his, when he puts it up to his mouth during mound visits, it says, hi, mom, on the other side. So anytime, you know, if they show the mound visit, you can see as well, it says that I thought it'd be fun, especially for, uh, you know, for a Mets glove for me Back, yeah. to have, have the, the five, one, to rep the 516 on there. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, Hopefully, we'll take that next step, and 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 everybody awesome. when you're pitching in Queens again, we'll be uh, putting all that together. I sure hope so. But Get there have... soon. I'll I'll be there with uh, Tom Hackmere chest chest pain on. Let's, let's <laughs> LF, LFG LFG Mets. Let's go. You can check out the custom glove builder and design your Emory glove by connecting at www.emorygloveco.com. But now it's time for the exciting conclusion of the inaugural episode of the Clean Leather Baseball Podcast. We are back on the Clean Leather Baseball Podcast. Hope you are all watching here on YouTube.com slash NJ College Baseball Nation that you have hit subscribe and uh, follow us every week. We'll be dropping Tuesdays around noon. Uh, more great stuff coming up in the future. Great guests, great uh, other things. But I want to take a few minutes to talk about recruiting i know that we will try to keep it to a few minutes here um september 1st came and 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 went uh, a couple weeks ago and and that was the date where college coaches are allowed to d1 coaches are allowed to initiate conversation with uh current juniors so kevin i need you to explain to me how the hell does third do 38 out of the top 50 sophomores have verbal acceptances or uh, you know accepted verbally made verbal commitments to division one programs when the head coach isn't even supposed to be allowed to communicate with them and let's talk about how we can stop this from happening because um as mike rooney over d1 baseball uh wrote and and certainly something we've espoused for for years how does this even happen who is making decisions on extending verbal offers to eighth and ninth graders and what kind of crap does this lead to when these guys can't play after 12th grade? Absolute nightmare. It's absolute. I mean, people in the portals leads to, right? Yeah, it's absolute nightmare. It's, it, it's, it's the worst process in, in the NCAA. It's the worst process in, in, in college athletics entirely. Um, maybe there are others that are like it that we don't follow. Obviously, we're baseball guys. I'm a former college baseball coach ran travel programs where I did the process with hundreds and hundreds of players. But in my opinion, it's an absolute nightmare. It's not fair to the kids and players um, uh, and, and families that are put in these situations. Um, and I'm going to take it one step further. I don't even think it's fair to the coaches. Because no, I, was say, I can't imagine the coaches like this. And I've heard too much that they hate it. But the only reason why they do it have to. If we don't, X, Y, Z, and, you know, whatever, in the in the top 25 or in, in my conference, we'll be doing it. You're talking about power five, power five coaching staffs that 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 have to win baseball games. You know, they're, they're, they're not getting their contracts extended or their salaries bumped up based off of their, their team GPA. It's important, right? It's important, but they, they have to win baseball games. So if they don't do it, and their competition does, they're not going to get these players that are going to help them win games. So um, in my conversation with them, they, they don't like it either. 
but it, it, it's a, it's a nightmare. And, and it's tough because I've had a few special players, right. That have committed early that I feel like have done it a, the right way. And, but again, they're, they're so different. And when I'm, I'm thinking about like a Michael Morales, um, who committed to Vandy very, very early, just turned pro out of high school. And they ended up not even going to Vandy. <clears throat> yeah. It, you know, third rounder above slot money guy. Yeah. Um, he's a kid I've known since he was 10. Unbelievable advice around him in every way, shape or form from his parents on form. Talk to so many coaches before making the decision and, and asked a million great questions and this and that. Um, so there are exceptions to, to the rule, but there, but, but there's what happens, but there are so many more debacles from kids de decommitting not only once, but two, and even sometimes three times to, to schools feeling, feeling like they have to pull scholarships because, okay, we had to offer this, this 15 year old, whatever to, to get him to come to us, but now he hasn't progressed the way we thought, thought he has. And this kid's popped up, you know, mm -hmm. who was a late bloomer. So now we got to figure out how to, you know. It's a it's a debacle. It's a debacle. Kids shouldn't be put in the decision in, in the position to make the decision at that times. Families shouldn't. Um, some of the things that these schools say to kids, they have to make a decision now, or they go somewhere. It's the worst thing ever. I couldn't feel worse. I couldn't feel more strongly strongly about it. Um, when I was 15 years old, to make a decision about where I wanted to go to college for who I wanted to play for, for the education. I don't even know if I had pit hair at 15. Right. Right. Um, didn't shave, but yet I'm supposed to pick where I'm going to arguably have the most important decision in my life. It's absolute bullshit. Think, it's think about ridiculous. where you, if, if you, and, and I'm not young enough anymore to, to think that far back, but, but to think about where your head was in ninth grade versus where it was in 12th grade, how could you make decisions in ninth grade that affect your first year of college and have any clue what you're doing. Yeah. And unfortunately it's also so much about the, it's got an influence from the outside so much because I remember when I having some of the best travel teams in the country and these better players, they just wanted to commit to their school because that's what their peers were doing. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, like, and, and talking to parents saying, I haven't committed by the beginning of my 10th grade year. I suck. I suck. And, and, and parents would say, man, this kid, this kid, this kid already committed. Like, what are we doing wrong? What's my right. son doing wrong? And I'm like, nothing, absolutely nothing. It's going to work out. And it's amazing, by the way, the people that we had those, those conversations with, the, the ones you committed later typically have gone on to have the better, the best careers. And typically, um, we'll, and again, everything is percentage, but we'll stay at the school longer. Stay at the school. I mean, the other thing we're not even talking about, there are a few, there are a few, um, head coaches who have long-term deals uh, and stuff like that. But how about the amount of coaching staff changes, right? Mm -hmm. Like right, right, wrong or indifferent kids are going to these schools. Yeah. Everybody's got great facilities. It's one of the biggest parts, the, the coaching staff. That's something that I would always forget. Like, I feel like the, the, the school, when I was coaching, people would forget, like they're coming there because of the coaches, because of the, because of the coaches, these kids are coming to the, to the school to, for me and my staff and the culture that we've created and the experience that they think they're going to have with us. And you look at the high level, like how many of those guys are not going to be there, which then lead to decommitments. Okay. Some head coaches have been there for a long time. There is a section 
on D1Baseball.com called The Coaching Carousel, right? The Coaching Carousel because it's moves are going to constantly be made and change and change and change. And there's a really high percentage that the dude who recruited you, right, especially the assistant coaching carousel, is not going to be there for your four years, let alone your first year by the time you get to campus. And it's not the, those coaches have to advance their career. That's 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 the right thing to to, to do for them. But the first the right the first necessity, and and if you really gave a, a rat's ass about trying to clean this up, is make that third coach position a paid coach because, of course, your coaches are going to move, you know, because a and a that will will won't eliminate the summer camp grind. But but certainly you give them a livable, even if it's a forty forty five thousand dollar a year third coach position. You know you don't have to make your entire salary in the summer, and you don't have to you know prostitute yourself to every possible camp in the summer. Um, you know so that, that's the first thing that could be done to clean this up. But what about a system? You know softball had it worse, right? Because softball. You know, younger girls develop quicker than younger guys. So you're talking about seventh and eighth graders getting recruited. You know, yep. a few years ago, they they really, you know, eliminated the, you know, you really, you can't even extend an offer. You can't even talk recruiting till till September 1 of your junior year. Does, does baseball need to go that route? And if, if so, why hasn't that happened? I think 1,000% has to happen. Um, Hasn't happened. I've no. I, I I have no idea why it hasn't happened. It, but it's it's bullshit that it hasn't. September first, your junior year. Okay, you, you now have grown up a little bit. You now, you, you know, um, but even from the coaching staff side side too, like all the quiet periods, dead periods, open periods. We got to have camps. Like think about how many how much these guys have to manipulate the system in order to get a commitment from a kid in ninth grade. Uh, I, I almost think that if you want to use the money ball logic, you're you're going to have schools that aren't top 50 schools, you know, mid you know, whatever. You could have more success by getting off of that ridiculous calendar. You only have 11.7 scholarships waiting a year or two and see who really has developed and, and yeah. go after those guys. And you'll you may not have the high peaks that that you would have otherwise but you won't have all the misses and the dead weight on your roster every year that's the thing i mean you you, you're taking a the the evaluation of talent process and projection of talent process is so skewed um why is the portal like it is you got to make it make a decision on a kid five years before he's gonna he's gonna play a game six years before he's gonna play a game can't even do that in the majors, let alone fourteen-year-olds. Yeah, of course you're gonna miss, right? You know, of course, uh, of course you're gonna miss on guys you pick, and of course you're gonna miss on guys you don't pick, because you know, even if you, even if you were only taking seniors, but wouldn't wouldn't you want to reduce your own likelihood of of missing on guys? Yeah, and they and again, this goes back to the to the point. There's no way the coaches like it, but it's just un, unfortunately a necessary evil. Um, I know all of my, my coaches, colleagues at that level, they don't like it, but it's just a necessary evil that they have to do. Um, man, I remember the the phone calls when I was doing travel ball of, you know, um, a text, hey, can you tell Johnny Baseball I'm going to call him at 7.05 yeah. so, uh, so, so he answers. 
hey, shit, Kev, uh, Johnny, Johnny missed my call. Uh, I missed Johnny's call. I was taking a shower. Uh, I was changing my kid's diaper. Can you tell him to call me back at 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 eight yeah. eight ten? And like like, what are we doing? What are we doing? And I feel like it impacts the quality of life for for these coaches and what they have to do. And if they can get a kid on the phone at any hour of the day, and it's like it's it's those guys have have their quality of life impacted more than than major league baseball coaches. And I say that from a unique perspective of having so many close friends and colleagues that are, that are coaches at power five schools, having been a head college coach myself and having my brother coach in the major leagues. So we are just about done for this week. Obviously you uh, are still with us. You will be back next week to, uh, to watch us here at the same, same time, same station. Um, Kev, take a moment to uh, give you free promo time here, promo your week. Anybody you want to shout out to, uh, you know, throw anything out to here. And uh, what do we got going on store uh, on tap this week? Biggest thing I thought about this this morning, Emory Glove Co. We are going to be doing a dope custom contest, dope custom contest where don't know why woke up this morning I said this will be awesome to do we're going to do a free glove giveaway just because I'm awesome and we're awesome and all it's going to be is follow us on Instagram tag three friends on the post I'm going to put up later tonight and then send in your glove design DM us your glove design from front from our builder probably gonna do it for like three days and whoever submitted what I think is the dopest design going to make it for him for free doesn't get much cooler than that no absolutely everybody get on that uh and today um that's a, a great opportunity especially with the amount of guys who, who told me this summer can kev do a glove for me can kev do a glove for me well now we can so you got to do some of that work yourself out there is what we're saying exactly uh, a couple couple other things right now as we are speaking we've got an instagram takeover at uh, NJ underscore college baseball nation. It's Rider Week. It's our guy, Johnny Rider. Mac Champs, Johnny Volpe and his crew. Hopefully Frankie Del Gercio is on there as well. Um, we got we got that going on right now. Check that out. A uh, couple of Jersey baseball shows this week. Uh, make sure you check our Twitter account. Um, NJ College BSBNAT for that. Uh, we are looking for guys to do our first food show this winter. Uh, find out who the best cook is among you New Jersey be college baseball players. Uh, email uh, Mr. Olsh, M-R-O-L-S-H, at msn.com. And we will be taking our stuff on the road this week, scout days Friday down in Gloucester, Coach Valley, and Saturday over at Mercer with, uh, with, with uh, Coach Fred Corella. So we are looking forward to that. Thank you guys for watching. Again, youtube.com. Um, you're on the channel right now. Subscribe. Uh, leave us a comment, future topic, happy to discuss it, and uh, we'll see you next week.